to what you are saying and give us hearts to respond. We ask this in your name. Amen. So, as everyone keeps telling you, we are continuing our series this week about Jonah. And it follows on very nicely from Tim's talk last week on Psalm 46. And it also intertwines a lot with what Jocera has been saying and also the message that Heather gave us two weeks ago. Because it explores in more detail the attitude of Jonah and the similarities and the differences between the storm that he was caught in and one that Jesus was caught in on the Sea of Galilee. Now, I'm just going to give you all advance warning here and now that you're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to pay attention to the Bible readings that we are going to read together, as you will be comparing the two together later on. Firstly, I would like you to turn to your Bibles, or you can follow on the Bible app on your phone, or on the screen behind me, as we go back to Jonah chapter 1. And this time we're going to read from Jonah 1, verses 9 to 16. Let's just have a quick re recap. You will remember from Heather's talk that Jonah had been asked by God to go to the city of Nineveh, which was in Assyria, and to preach to the people there. Just as Sarah said there, I loved her analogy when she said, God said, go. Jonah said, no, and God said, oh. He had decided that this was not what he was going to do and promptly got on a boat in the opposite direction. I wonder how many times you have not wanted to do something God has told you to do. You've gone metaphorically to the harbour, and there's a boat going in the opposite direction. And you kid yourself, well, it must be right, there's a boat there, but you know it's not. This had resulted in a great storm arising, and all the sailors getting really, really scared. They had cast lots which had told them that Jonah was the cause of the storm. So this week, we take up the story just after the sailors have gone downstairs and confronted Jonah, who up until that point has been asleep in the bottom of the boat. Jonah answers, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea was calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, as you probably know from Tim's talk 
a week or so ago. Our family used to do a lot of sailing some years ago. And whilst there were some really nice occasions when we saw dolphins just in Druridge Bay, there were also some times that were really scary, such as the time that we came out of Whitby Harbour. The weather was absolutely horrendous, and the storm had caused the waves to rise to an average height of about 20 foot. Can I just point out that the decision to go out was not mine on each of these occasions? As Tim mentioned, different boats have different keel shapes. Some boats have keels that cut through a wave, a bit like the RNI lifeboats, they go through a wave. But a yacht has a keel that is designed in such a way that it causes it to rise above and go over the top of a wave and then crash down in the gap before the next wave comes along. Well, when that's just like that, that's not a problem. But when it's like that, it's a problem. Now, Tim recounted one occasion when he was scared, but there was one particular occasion when he was very, very, very scared. Because he, just like Jonah, had been asleep in the yacht below deck. He was probably only about four or five, and he woke up to find the Coast Guard helicopter circling above us and one of the Coast Guards being lowered into the yacht. He was absolutely convinced we were sinking, and he cried a lot. In fact, we weren't sinking. The reason that this was happening, because we had been sleeping, while he'd been sleeping, the Coast Guard, the Coast Guard had called up on the radio and asked if we could take part in a training exercise. Obviously, they have to train people. And this is where they lower a man onto the yacht from a helicopter. We were asked to drop our sails and put a bucket on the deck. Why would you put a bucket on the deck? Well, you have, they throw a rope down, and you have to curl the rope into the bucket. And this is to avoid it getting caught up. And then the man could be lowered down. The rest of the kids thought that this was well cool. But little Tim was asleep and only woke up as the man was coming into the cockpit. We were clearly sinking. Now, I did try to find some pictures of Tim and Hannah during our sailing days. Uh, here is one of Hannah suspended in the bosun's chair. I know she's going to be delighted I've shown that. Um, it's a special hoist that you have on board in case you need to do any maintenance of the mainsail. But I couldn't find one of Tim on his own. Although I did find this one of Hannah allegedly teaching Tim how to use a crab line. Uh, and he is in his life jacket, but I think it looks especially like she's encouraging him to jump in. She denies this. Now, as I couldn't find a cute picture of Tim to show you in his sailing gear, so you could all go, ah, I found this one instead. Ah, he's going to hate me. Um, I discovered several things during my stint as a sailor on the high seas. I am undoubtedly a fair-weather sailor. I like calm seas and a gentle breeze. I like a captain who I can trust and feel safe with. And I like glorious sunshine when I'm on the water. I do like boats, and I love trips to sea, but subject to those conditions. James and I recently went on holiday, and we had a fantastic trip traveling to Skye and the Outer Hebrides, which involved quite a few boat journeys. You can see, hopefully, some of the vessels that we went on, and our dogs came too, and they were absolutely brilliant. But the Caledonian rain ferries are way different to those that Jonah would have been crossing the sea in. 
the boat that Jonah was on, although sturdily built, would have been built of wood. And it is an absolute foregone conclusion that it would not have had all the modern safety features that boats like this today are fitted with. Features such as navigational equipment, depth-sounding devices that prevent running aground, life jackets, uh, lifeboats, emergency buoys with signal capabilities so that you can throw them aboard and they send a signal saying where you are, radio equipment or sonar so you can look out for passing large fish or whales. Now, when a storm of this ferocity occurred, there was a real chance of the boat sinking, a real chance, and everybody on board drowning. It was a real possibility, and the sailors had every right to be afraid. In the passage that we read, the sailors had confronted a sleeping Jonah, and now he speaks. And I think that there are a few things that we can conclude from this passage. One, Jonah was incredibly stubborn. He was incredibly stubborn. This was the first real time that Jonah has acknowledged to anybody what has been going on. He had effectively been burying his head in the sand, or his pillow, actually, up until this point. But he couldn't ignore what was going on anymore. The sailors wanted an answer, and they were not going to let it go. But have you noticed, Jonah may have acknowledged who he was and which God he served, but he doesn't seem to express that he was sorry for what he has done. He simply says this, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. That's two facts. That's all. He has told them that he's running away previously, but at no point does it say in our story that he expressed his regret at what he was doing. He just acknowledged that he'd got caught and the consequences were impacting the sailors. He goes on to say, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Again, he's acknowledging facts. He knows it's his fault that the storm is raging, but he still hasn't said sorry. Rather than say sorry to God and agree to undergo the task he was set, he would rather just get chucked overboard. He knew that it was his fault and that all he had to do was repent and say sorry and agree to do what he'd been asked because, you know, this is something I haven't thought about before. If he'd done that, if I'm pretty sure that the situation would have resolved itself and calmed down. But no, rather than say sorry... His answer was suggest being chucked overboard. It would solve the immediate problem, granted, but not the real issue. Now that is stubborn. That is stubborn. Jonah actually thought that death was the answer to his problems as a result of his disobedience. He thought it would be the end of his sadness from running from God and his failed escape attempt. I wonder, how many of us have continued down a path knowing that it's the wrong path and that God is not pleased, rather than admit we are wrong, say sorry and turn around and take the right path. 
Instead of that, we carry on in a determined way with an impact on those around us. How like Jonah we can be. The second thing I think we can notice is that the sailors didn't really want to throw Jonah overboard. Whilst Jonah had told the sailors to just throw him overboard, they really didn't want to do this. Why? Well, one reason was because sailors were very superstitious. Just like years ago, people would cover mirrors up if there was a thunderstorm or hide the silver cutlery because people thought that you know, the, the lightning would come and strike the house or the mirrors. Did anybody's parents do that? No. No, well, mine, mine did. In the belief that it, it was, if display, it would, it would actually cause the lightning to be attracted to the house. Well, that's obviously a myth and it's not true. But the sailors believed in a very superstitious way that it was bad luck to throw somebody overboard. They thought that they would get punished by all their different gods for doing this. But also, you know, they really just didn't want to throw somebody overboard. That would be a horrible thing to have in your conscience and to relive, wouldn't it? They didn't want to do that. They tried really hard to row to shore, ignoring the advice Jonah had given them. But the harder they tried, the worse things got. Now, just as a reference, you might have thought, why would they try and row to shore then in the middle of the ocean? But actually, after a bit of research, I found out they wouldn't have been right in the middle of the ocean. They actually would have followed the shoreline as, plan as part of their plan of their route. So actually, the idea of rowing to shore isn't as harebrained as you might think. But it still didn't work. But do you know what else? I think there's a certain irony here. Jonah was prepared to make the grand gesture to be thrown overboard... But he wasn't prepared to obey the call of God to a far less spectacular service of taking God's word to the Assyrians. Why? Well, there's lots of ideas as to why that could be, the fact that he might have been a reluctant prophet and he didn't want to share. But I also think, as well as being stubborn, Jonah was an ardent nationalist. He was pro-Islite and probably a bit anti-foreign. And he had little compassion for those he didn't like or he didn't agree with. Jonah, as an Israelite, was very likely have har to have harbored a bitter resentment towards the Assyrians, who he believed to be the enemy, who he believed to be evil. And the fact that God loved and cared for them as humans despite this, well, that was just one step too far for him. He would have struggled to understand Jesus' command to love our enemies. And you know what? It's definitely ironic that the Philistine sailors who didn't know the Lord cared about Jonah, but he didn't seem to care about those in Nineveh. The humanity of the sailors in not blaming Jonah for bringing such trouble on them and instead trying their hardest to save him and the fact that they explored every other option except to throw him overboard well, I think that's a bit of a silent condemnation of Jonah's attitude, don't you? And the third thing, God mercifully used even Jonah's disobedience. God mercifully used even Jonah's disobedience to witness to others about his awesomeness and his power over nature. Whilst we cannot say with absolute certainty that the sailors stopped the worship of their own gods, they would have worshipped lots, the verses we read do seem to indicate that instead of their approach of praying to multiple false gods, 
they acknowledged for the first time the one true God and his power over creation. And they worshipped him. The name Lord in the text indicates this to be the case. So even though Jonah was being disobedient, God was able to use this event for his glory and his honor. And even if they didn't completely understand it right then, just maybe start the sailors on the right path to knowing him. So other than these three things, one, that Jonah was stubborn, that Jonah, the sailors showed Jonah compassion even though he didn't, and that God can use all circumstances for a witness to his power. What else can we learn from these verses? Well, I'd like to go back and develop the comparison that Heather made, and we can draw from what happened in the account of Jonah to the story that we find in Mark's Gospel, where Jesus was sleeping when a storm arose, and see if we can pick out what the similarities are and what the differences are too. So can you follow in your Bibles or on the screen as we read Mark 4, verses 35 to 41? That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, what are the differences and the similarities between the two stories? What can we learn from the two accounts? And this is where hopefully you've been paying attention. I would like you to just take a few minutes to have a chat with the person sitting next to you and think about the two stories and what you think the differences were and what you think the similarities were. Now, if you're at home watching online, grab a notebook and a pen and write down the differences and similarities. And you can do the same here if you're not sitting directly next to somebody, or you could type some notes on your app on, on your phone. So just take a few minutes and have a think, and then we'll come back and I'll tell you what I think. And similarities. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to shout them out. But I'll tell you what I thought as the differences and similarities. Differences. Jonah was being disobedient. Jesus was being obedient. He was doing his father's work. He had just preached a series of very important sermons just before getting into the boat. I think that this difference is a key point as it shows that storms happen in life and they're not always an indication that God is angry with us. He may have been angry with Jonah, and rightly so, and wanted him to turn around and do as he was asked. But he certainly wasn't angry with his son Jesus, who'd been preaching and doing his work on earth. A storm happened in both occasions. One was being disobedient, and one was being obedient. 
storms happen. And the second difference, I noticed that Jonah was sleeping to hide away from God, to avoid facing up to what was going on and saying sorry, whereas Jesus was sleeping peacefully in the knowledge that whilst he's tired, he had been faithful. Two very different types of sleep. One, I would imagine, hiding away from God was probably fitful and not really good sleep. And Jesus was sleeping peacefully, knowing he'd been obedient. Jesus knew who the maker of the wind was and was totally at peace in the situation. For us, knowing that we are trusting God and trying to follow him can bring peace. A peace that Jesus had, but Jonah didn't. So those are two differences. The similarities that I picked up on were that the emphasis in both stories is on who calms the seas. Who calms the seas. And the power that God and Jesus have over creation. In both stories, the witnesses are left terrified. But they're also left in no doubt who has the power over creation. And in both stories, God uses the situation. In Jonah, to witness to the sailors who didn't know him. And in the story in Mark, to reaffirm to the disciples just who he is. So this morning, as we go home, and we go about our, our lives next week, how can we take what we have learned and apply it in our lives? And I'd like you to think about these questions. Do you act like Jonah when asked by God to serve those who you don't approve of or you don't even like? Do you act like Jonah and bury your head in your pillow when you know you are doing something wrong and you hope that God will just leave you alone and go away? Do you act like Jonah and stubbornly remain on a path that you know will not bring you peace? to yourself or to others? And do you act like Jonah and make grand gestures of service and sacrifice? Why? To cover up your disobedience. But actually, you know, you're hiding a hard heart that wants to do what you want to do and not what God wants you to do. Do you trust, as Jesus did, that God has every situation in your life under control? Even the ones that you don't understand and the ones that leave you feeling really scared. Do you rest? Do you rest, as Jesus did, in the assurance, the confirmation that God sometimes, sometimes and allows and permits storms in our lives? And he delivers us through them so that we can see his protection far more clearly? And do we trust, as Jesus did, in a heavenly Father that teaches us lessons through the storms of life that we would never have learnt if the sea of life was always calm? Would we have learnt those lessons? As we go home today, let us think on how Jonah and Jesus reacted to the storms that they found themselves in. And take courage that God was in the middle of both storms. He was in the middle of both storms with them, using them for his glory, even though one was being disobedient and one was being obedient. 
He is in the middle of every storm we find ourselves in. And we only need to cry to him from an honest heart to find comfort to continue across the ocean of life. So as I ask the band to come back up, why don't we just say a prayer together, a simple prayer in our hearts. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for all the lessons that we can learn from Jonah. Help us to listen and pay attention to what you've told us this morning. Help us to say sorry when we're going down a path we know is wrong. And help us to turn around and listen to you again. And help us to be prepared to serve those that we don't always find it easy to get along with or that we might not even like. But help us to serve because you have told us to do so. Bless each one of us as we go forward this week. Amen.